Hi everyone and Gladelect Neat Aur. Happy New Year. This is Jules, your host of the All Things Iceland podcast. Welcome to this week's episode, which is the first All Things Iceland podcast episode of 2020. And I decided to make it a top 10 list of the most noteworthy news stories of 2019. It was difficult to choose 10 because there were many interesting stories last year. When the idea for this show came to me, I immediately felt it was important to do it for two reasons. The first is that it's a nice recap of the year. And when people think of Iceland, they have images of vast, beautiful landscapes, sheep roaming freely, the northern lights, and glaciers. Many of them are unaware of the scandals, corruption, drama, and overall fascinating events that take place throughout the year. If you have listened to previous episodes of this show, such as my interviews with Dora, Alta Sigmundsdottir, Kauri Stefansson, Andy Fontaine, Jon Gnar, and Andre Snyder Magnusson, you have heard about some of the corruption and drama in Iceland. If not, I have links to those interviews in the show notes. I love that those episodes provide insight from the point of view of people who live in Iceland. This list is meant to be a roundup based on how the news has been reported by publications. And of course, I sprinkle in my opinion every so often. Some of the Iceland news stories on this top 10 list have made international headlines, but plenty of them only appeared in the domestic news. After I started doing a weekly news roundup in my Instagram stories, which is All Things Iceland, on several Sundays last year, I became even more intrigued with the news here. I feel that the news in any country gives you some insight into the culture and can help you to understand what the society considers important to talk about. Iceland is certainly no different, and it became apparent to me that Iceland news stories have given me another great way to tap into what is trending here and to observe how the culture is changing. If you like hearing about news stories from Iceland, I highly recommend checking out my weekly news roundup on Instagram, which, like I mentioned, is on Sunday. Along with sharing the news, I give you a bit of my opinion on the story and try to make it interactive. Another option is to sign up for my free email newsletter, which features a mix of Iceland news stories, facts about the country, videos, upcoming events, tips for travelers, and other goodies about Iceland I think you might find interesting. I recently decided to start the newsletter because there's so much awesome content out there. I really think email is a great way of sharing it with my fellow Icelandophiles. You can find the link to sign up in the show notes of this episode on my website from foreigntofamiliar.com. For anyone that is interested in reading more about each story that I talk about in this episode, I have included links to the original news articles in the text for each of the stories. Feel free to check those out. All right. Now let's jump into this top 10 list. So number 10 is Ed Sheeran's concert broke a record in Iceland. While Icelanders like to play it cool if they see a celebrity walk down the street in Reykjavik, they seem to go bananas when a big name performer holds a concert. This is exactly what happened when it was announced that Ed Sheeran would be holding a concert during the summer of 2019. To my surprise, Icelanders were rushing to buy tickets. Like most people in the world, I know some Ed Sheeran songs, but I can't say that I'm familiar with the majority of his music. I have a feeling that this is the case for many Icelandic people, but the buzz around his concert was too enticing for many to pass up. Plus, Ed Sheeran is considered a friend of Iceland, 
because he wore an Icelandic national football shirt when Iceland played against Croatia in the 2018 World Cup. Some of my Icelandic friends even admitted that they were only going to the concert because so many others in the country will be there. The concert ended up breaking a record. The first concert date, Saturday, August 10th, sold out almost immediately. Cinna Live, the event management company putting on the concert, added a second concert day, August 11th, because of the demand. In total, about 50,000 people in Iceland attended an Ed Sheeran concert. This is about 14% of the population. On the first night alone, 30,000 people attended. This is the first time in the recorded history of Iceland that 30,000 people attended a concert in the country. Granted, not everyone that attended was Icelandic, but many of them were. I didn't attend, but I did hear that besides a long line in the beginning of the first concert on August 10th, it was great. According to an article in the Reykjavik Grapevine, quote, Ed started off with a bang. The crowd cheered. He was completely alone on stage, yet easily captivated the 30,000-strong crowd like it was an intimate bar setting. The opening acts for Ed Sheeran included Zara Larsson, James Bay, and Glowe, an Icelandic artist. Number nine on this list of Iceland news stories came to light in December when it was announced that Iceland now has over 50,000 people of foreign origin living in the country. As I mentioned in the previous story, that is about 14% of the population. Over the last eight years, there has been a dramatic increase in immigrants here. In 2010, the amount of immigrants was around 8% of the population. That number stayed the same through 2012. However, when you jump from 2012 to 2018, there is a 50% increase in the number of immigrants. In 2019, the amount was recorded at about 14%. On my website, you can see a bar graph of the change in the population from 1996 to 2019 from the website status.is, which publishes statistical information about Iceland. It's quite fascinating bar graph. Before jumping into more facts, I think it is helpful to quickly go over some important definitions on the status.is website. This is useful for later on when I share more data. As we are all aware, an immigrant is a person born abroad whose parents are foreign-born. In addition, the grandparents of an immigrant are also foreign-born. The status.is site separates the count of first-generation and second-generation people living in Iceland. First-generation immigrants are people who were born abroad and moved to Iceland, while second-generation immigrants are those who were born in Iceland but have parents of foreign origin. A person in Iceland with one parent of foreign origin is considered to have a foreign background. Okay, so now that you have those definitions... It was also announced that the number of second-generation immigrants in Iceland increased from 4,861 in 2018 to 5,263 in 2019. Like me, you might be wondering where these people are immigrating from, why they are moving to Iceland, and what impact this is having on the country. As in recent years, Polish people have made up the majority of immigrants to Iceland. In 2019, there were 19,172 Polish people living in the country. 
This is 38.1% of the immigration population. Following them are Lithuanians at 2,884. The third largest immigrant group are people from the Philippines at 1,968. People moved to Iceland for many reasons. If you listen to episode 34 of this podcast, you will know that I moved to Iceland because I fell in love with an Icelander. While love is a reason that some move here, many of the immigrants from Poland, Lithuania, and the Philippines come for work and to have a higher standard of living. It certainly helps that wages are higher here than in their countries. Plus, there are many opportunities to study and have careers in this country. Regarding where people of foreign origin live in Iceland, it is no surprise that the majority of them reside in the capital area. 63.6% of first- and second-generation immigrants live there. As a whole, more than 60% of the country's population lives in the capital area, so it makes sense that immigrants end up living there as well. Because immigration has only started to grow rapidly in the last eight years, there isn't a lot of information on how this growth is affecting Icelandic society. What I'm aware of is that Icelanders are afraid that their language will die out if immigrants don't learn Icelandic. To be fair, the use of English among teenagers is also a big concern. However, that's another story for another day. One challenge that immigrants here face is that it takes a lot of time and effort to learn Icelandic. If you are working full-time and trying to learn the language, you can quickly become overwhelmed. Another challenge is that English is widely spoken. The immigrants that speak English in Iceland end up relying on that to communicate. Plus, most Icelanders like to practice their English, so it becomes a vicious cycle. However, there are many immigrants that have learned the language, and there are also some that have lived here for decades and can hardly speak it. There was a study published in 2017 in the Nordic Journal of Migration Research titled Immigrant Experiences of Learning Icelandic and Connecting with the Speaking Community by Unnur Dís Skaptadóttir and Pamela Ennis. It shed some light on the obstacles that immigrants in Iceland face when learning the language. They even include quotes from people who have moved here and who have either learned the language or have been trying to learn it, which is great because it gives you more insight into this experience. I recommend checking it out via the link on my website in the show notes. What I love about Icelanders is that many of them are very open to multiculturalism. This island nation has been isolated for centuries, and yet the majority of the people here think that diversity can have a positive effect on their society. Personally, I'm seeing Icelandic traditions living alongside newly introduced traditions from other countries. It is funny to me that Icelanders have been adopting more traditions from the United States, such as Thanksgiving and Halloween, than from any of the countries of the three main immigrant populations. I believe that mainstream media and the fact that the U.S. is kind of idolized here are two major contributing factors as to why traditions from there are becoming more popular in Iceland. Number eight. This one shocked me when I first got wind of it, mainly because it brought to light a serious problem here. In October of 2019, Iceland was added to the Financial Action Task Force or FATF, gray list. This is due to the fact that the country has not taken sufficient measures to combat money laundering and the financing of acts of terrorism. In 2018, the FATF 
gave recommendations to Iceland, but the country failed to comply with all of them. In a follow-up report, the FATF urged the Icelandic government to address all the recommendations, but they were a bit slow to act. I have to point out that Parliament did enact two laws after getting the recommendations. The first states that organizations whose purpose is to distribute funds in the public's interest and that operate across borders must be registered with the Directorate of Internal Revenue. The second bill allows for the government to sell assets that have been frozen or confiscated during a criminal investigation. Of course, conditions apply in that case. Being graylisted sucks because it puts a stain on the country's reputation. However, no one is sure if it will have a huge impact regarding business. It could make it more difficult for Icelandic companies to do business abroad, but we just have to wait and see. As a resident of the country, it concerns me that the Icelandic parliament has allowed for this to happen. It also makes me wonder just how often these crimes are occurring. The drama in number seven feels like something out of a soap opera. The Icelandic National Police Commissioner, Haraldur Johannesson, found himself in hot water with regional police commissioners after making some comments regarding corruption. According to Eisen Review, Haraldur said that he is being, quote, strategically run out of office by intentional mistruths and slander about his person. He alluded to corruption within the police force and that his stance had made him some enemies before, stating that if he would lose his position, he'd go into more detail on power struggles behind the scenes, end quote. This statement resulted in eight out of the nine regional police commissioners voting no confidence in Haraldur. They called for him to be removed from office. For the last five years, the relationship between the regional police officers and Haraldur has been rocky. It doesn't help that communication has been poor and that it has been said that Haraldur leads by fear. In addition to the no-confidence vote by the regional police commissioners, a vote of no confidence was also declared by the National Police Federation. Stuntin, an Icelandic newspaper, published an article during the summer of 2019 about Haraldur. It listed some of his actions and internal disputes during his tenure as the National Police Commissioner, a position he has held since 1998. Allegedly, he mismanaged finances, bullied people in, his, in the organization, and after the financial collapse in 2008, he damaged the investigations of the National Commissioner's Economic Crime Department. Kind of not surprisingly, Harald III refused to step down when the story broke in September. While the votes of no confidence are an important step in potentially removing Harald III from office, the final decision had to be made by the Minister of Justice, Ausloig Arna Sigurbjörnsdottir. In December, it was reported that Haraldur Johannesson would resign. But this was also controversial. In exchange for leaving office, he will stay on the payroll for all of 2020 and all of 2021. Each month, he will receive a salary of 1750000 ISK, which amounts to about $14,249. During that time, he will advise the Minister of Justice on the changes to the organization. In 2022, he will take a paid leave of absence for three months. This cushy resignation was described as a, quote, reward, unquote, for Haraldur's many years of service as the National Police Commissioner. Of course, this caused 
outrage among many, including the chairman of Iceland's biggest labor union, Vath Ed, or VR. Personally, I find this to be ridiculous. Historically, people in power get a decent amount of perks, usually monetarily, when they are forced to resign. I find it annoying that Iceland reminds me of the U.S. in this way. Number six is another controversial Iceland news story, but in a much different way than what you just heard. If any of you watched Eurovision in 2019, then you are fully aware of Hatari, the band that represented Iceland in a singing contest last May. Hatari translates to haters. This band has caused quite a bit of stir in Iceland before ever making international headlines for what they did at Eurovision, which was held in Israel in 2019. The Reykjavik grapevine has an awesome article titled Six Times Icelandic Eurovision Stars Hatari Trolled the World. I highly recommend reading it just to get a better idea about their antics. Of course, the link to that article is in the show notes on my website. The publication, The Independent, describes Hatari as, quote, a hyper-self-aware, super-satirical, and pointedly political BDSM trio, end quote. Quite a combination for a band in a song contest that actively discourages blatant political messages. Also, I was very surprised that a BDSM-dressed group with a song called Hatrith Munsigra, or Hate Will Prevail, made it to the finals. This is a satirical anti-capitalist group, and their song is meant to bring attention to the fact that hate will indeed prevail if we don't unify. On top of the messaging, the song is quite good. I've included the music video in the show notes on my website. It's embedded there, and it has English subtitles, so you can follow along with what they're saying. Just a slight warning, there's a lot of yelling involved in the song, but the beat's really good, and I think overall it's quite catchy. Icelanders expected that Hatari would do something controversial at the event, and they were right. During the announcement of votes, which is basically the ending of the show, three members of the group held up the Palestinian flag when the camera showed them in the green room. Remember, this is being held in Israel, and Israelis were very upset about this, and it was considered a political statement by the Eurovision board. Some people in the crowd booed when they saw the flag. While some Icelanders were proud that Hatari did this, others felt they could have done more. To give you some background, Iceland was the first Western European nation to officially recognize Palestine as an independent state in 2011. Also, some Icelanders boycotted watching Eurovision in 2019 because it was being held in Israel. It's important to understand that Icelandic people do not hate Israelis. Rather, they are very upset about the treatment of Palestinians by the Israeli government. Some feared that Hatari's action would get Iceland banned from the Eurovision contest and that they would have a really hard time getting out of the country. In the end, two interesting things happened. The first is that the European Broadcasting Union issued a fine to RUV, the National Public Service Broadcasting Organization in Iceland. The fine was for 5,000 euros. While RUV complained that they were unhappy with the fine, they also said that they were proud of Iceland's contribution to the competition in 2019. Also, RUV decided that they will participate in the contest again in 2020. The second thing that happened is that the three members of Hatari that flew the Palestinian flag were deliberately given the worst seats 
on their El Al flight, which is an Israeli airline. This flight was the first leg of their journey home, and they were given middle seats. According to a tweet by Daher Dale, quote, the ground crew of El Al bragged about giving them terrible seat assignments, saying, this is what they get, end quote. The fifth ISIN news story on this list is that 2019 marks 10 years since the pots and pans revolution in Iceland. The name is a translation of the Icelandic word Busa Halta Biltingen. This revolution happened at the economic meltdown in the country in 2008. During that year, people were protesting and holding rallies outside of parliament because the elected officials had failed to adequately respond to the country's financial system collapsing. The combination of an irresponsible government, physical altercations with the police, arrests, and a growing number of protesters resulted in this revolution. Left and right, ministers resigned or stated they would not run for office again. By late January of 2009, the government resigned and an emergency coalition had to be formed. It is widely reported that Iceland locked up all of their bankers responsible, created a new constitution, and implemented it. The truth is that some bankers were jailed, and a new constitution was written, but has never been used. It has been collecting dust in a drawer for the past decade. The other unfortunate part is that the same political parties that led the country down the path to collapse, which is the Independence Party and the Progressive Party, were back in power in 2013. To add insult to injury, there has been talk recently about privatization of the banks again, which is a huge contributing factor to the financial collapse of 2008. Hopefully, Icelanders don't allow this foolishness to happen again. Number four attracted a lot of international coverage because it shows just how much of an impact the climate crisis is having on Iceland. During the summer, a funeral was held for Okjökull Glacier. It is the first glacier killed by climate change. Because it has lost its glacier status, it is now just referred to as Ok, or some people refer to it in English as OK, because that's how it's spelled. The ceremony was attended by Iceland's Prime Minister, Katrin Jakobsdottir, Mary Robinson, the former United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights, Andri Snyder Magnusson, an Icelandic author that I had the pleasure of interviewing, and many others. Andri wrote this message on a memorial plaque about Ok, and it states, in quotes, Ok is the first Icelandic glacier to lose its status as a glacier. In the next 200 years, all our glaciers are expected to follow the same path. This monument is to acknowledge that we know what is happening and what needs to be done. Only you know if we did it. End quote. The funeral was covered in many publications, such as The Guardian, New York Times, BBC, The New Yorker, and more. I've personally witnessed the rapid receding of glaciers in Iceland, and it is troubling. If you go on a glacier walk with a guide company in Iceland, you will undoubtedly hear about how fast the glacier is melting. As mentioned in my interview with Andre, he is an environmental advocate who has been fighting on the front lines to protect Icelandic natural resources from money-hungry politicians and overseas investors. In the later part of 2019, his new book, On Time and Water, was released in Iceland. The intention of the book is to make you understand what our future holds for all of us if we don't act immediately. 
Like the funeral, his book has received a lot of international attention and will soon be available in 14 languages. Number three is about Iceland's amazing and awful weather in 2019. Icelandic weather is notorious for being unpredictable, but 2019 brought about some surprising conditions for Icelanders and foreigners. The spring, specifically April and May, saw temperatures that were above average. In July, there was a heat wave, which (laughs) I have to laugh at, and you might as well, depending on where you live, because the temperatures hit 25.9 degrees Celsius, or 78.6 degrees Fahrenheit, in North Iceland, and 26.9 degrees Celsius, or 80.4 degrees Fahrenheit, in South Iceland. As a native New Yorker, those temperatures are nowhere near what I experienced when a heat wave was announced in the city. However, I have to admit that I have started to acclimate to the weather here, so it felt quite warm to me. I was also pleasantly surprised by the amount of sunny days in Reykjavik this past summer. 2019 ended up being the third sunniest year in the city's history. For those that aren't aware, Icelanders needed a good summer last year because 2018 was awful. To give you an idea of just how bad it was, the Icelandic Meteorological Office recorded only 70.6 hours of sunshine in June. When compared to a 10-year average, that is only a third of what happens normally. It was a cold and cloud-covered summer. People were miserable. Everyone was hoping that 2019 would be better, And thankfully, it was in the summer, fall, and part of December. Unfortunately, Iceland experienced its worst storm in about 25 years in December. The blizzard, wind, and ice conditions were so dangerous that people were urged to stay off the roads. It is normal for Iceland to have storms, but this one caused a lot more damage than anticipated. Around 20,000 people lost power. The wind topped 100 miles per hour in some places. A teenager and about 100 horses died because of the storm. The government was criticized by locals after the power outages because those areas need updated infrastructure to ensure that the power stays on. The teenager, Leivur Magnus Gretason Thislon, was helping to clear ice from a generator when he fell into an icy river and was swept away. While Iceland does have hot springs that can be used for geothermal energy in different parts of the country, many people don't live near hot springs so they use hydropower generators for electricity. Over 40 volunteers on the search and rescue team searched for Leivur. Unfortunately, the conditions of the storm made it difficult to find him quickly. When he was found, he was already dead. Regarding the horses, it is important to know that Icelandic horses normally stay outside during the winter. Some farmers have shelters set up for horses if they need additional protection. While the horses are a very sturdy breed, they were no match for this storm. About 100 of them were buried under 2 meters, or about 6.5 feet of snow. There's a photo of a farmer that was able to dig out his horses and save them on my website. Unfortunately, not every farmer was so lucky. The horse deaths equate to less than 1% of the horses hit by the storm. And just a quick note, 2020 has already seen some pretty intense storms, so it looks like we're in for a very eventful winter. The collapse of WOW Airlines claimed the number two spot on this list. The story flooded the headlines in Iceland and abroad, 
and cause widespread fear about the stability of the economy. I'm dedicating a full episode to the rise and fall of the airline on the one-year anniversary date, March 28, 2019, that it went under. So keep a lookout for that in March. In 2011, the airline launched and quickly rose to become one of the go-to airlines for people traveling to different destinations in the world. It's incredible that in just six years of operation, WOW had transported millions of people, had a fleet of 20 planes, employed over 1,000 people, and flew to 35 international cities. Between 2017 and 2018, the financial troubles started to rise to the surface. The airline announced a loss of 4.8 billion ISK, which is around $39.3 million. A combination of growing too fast and a bad deal with fuel prices caught up with Scully, the founder of Wow Air. At one point, Eisen Air considered buying the airline, but that fell through. Keep in mind that Eisen Air is Iceland's national airline and is essentially too big to fail. It was also Wow Air's direct competitor, so it was probably quite hard for Schooley to humble himself and to ask them to buy the airline. The deal, like I mentioned, never went through. In addition, Indigo Partners, owners of Wizz Air, also considered buying the airline, but that fell through too. Lack of funds meant drastic measures had to be taken. Mass layoffs followed and people in tourism tried to prepare for the worst. Overall, the economy has been fine and the tourism industry has been stable. But the story isn't over yet. A few groups of people have come forward, including Schooley, with announcements of new airlines to replace Wild Air. As of right now, early January 2020, none of them are in operation. I look forward to sharing more about this story in a couple of months. I gave the top spot on this list to the Samheri scandal, also known as Fish Rot Files, because it has rocked the nation and investigations are still going on. Samheri is a fishing and fish processing company in Iceland. According to Stunden, it is the largest fishing company in Iceland and one of the largest in Europe. Kveikur, an investigative news program on RUV, the National Public Broadcasting Network, broke the story. On their website, it says that, quote, for the past decade, Sam Hedie has paid hundreds of millions of Icelandic krona to high-ranking politicians and officials in Namibia with the objective of acquiring the country's coveted fishing quotas, end quote. All of this came to light after whistleblower Johannes Stefansson revealed the corruption. From 2012 to 2016, Johannes was the managing director of operations for Samheri in Namibia. He was, of course, in the thick of it, paying out these bribes in order to get the fishing quotas. And eventually it ate away at him. He started collecting documents and emails on his computer to prove that the company was paying the bribes. And he ended up sharing them with WikiLeaks, who published 30,000 of them on their website. It was revealed that Semheri had established an offshore shell company in the Marshall Islands to funnel money it made from the fishing quotas in Namibia. Naturally, the tax authorities in Iceland have opened up an investigation. As a result of this scandal being revealed, the CEO of Semheri, Thorstein Maur Balvinson, has stepped aside indefinitely. Bernhard Essau, the Namibian Minister of Fisheries, and Saki Shangala, the Minister of Justice in Namibia, 
also resigned. Six people have been arrested in Namibia due to this scandal, while none have been arrested in Iceland. This scandal certainly isn't helping to combat Iceland's money laundering issue that I spoke about in number eight on this list, which is about the country being on the gray list. I recommend checking out the hour-long video that Kvekur put together about this scandal. And of course, the link to that is in the show notes. So I've shared a lot <laughs> regarding news stories in this episode, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about them. To share your thoughts, you can write in the comment section of this episode on my website, from familiar.com. Very soon, actually, the website will be redirected to allthingsiceland.com. So you can use either one, so from familiar.com or allthingsiceland.com, whichever you prefer. They'll both go to the right place. Next up, we have the random fact of the episode, which is actually a bonus news story. This was a popular Iceland news story, but I didn't include it in the top 10 list. Like I mentioned, it was hard to shift through all the stories and just pick a top 10. This story did go viral, but for all the wrong reasons. Two Icelandic seamen committed the cruel act of cutting off the tail of a living young shark and threw it back into the water. In the video footage of this sickness, one of the men is heard saying, quote, good luck trying to swim, you bastard, end quote. There is laughing heard in the background as the shark is bleeding profusely as it tries to swim away. Crystal Ir Johansson got hold of the video and shared it on their Facebook account to bring light to what these men did. Ultimately, the seamen were fired it was also reported on Ruv that the men broke several laws and that they may face up to one million kroner fine from animal cruelty charges. The Icelandic word of the episode is blavagrein. Blavagrein. And I'll say that kind of broken up a little bit. So the first part is blava, blava, and the last part, grain. So altogether, Blavagrein. Blavagrein, which means newspaper article. And Blath means paper, grain means article. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the All Things Iceland podcast. For your convenience and listening pleasure, this podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and pretty much any platform that plays podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, it would be awesome if you leave a review. It, of course, helps people to find the podcast and gives me feedback. If you think someone else would find this episode interesting and or useful, please share it with them. And again, if you're interested in Iceland news stories, you can either follow me on Instagram or you can sign up for my email newsletter. As I mentioned on Instagram, I do a roundup every Sunday but the email newsletter has much more to it than just stories from Iceland. I'm planning to share a lot there that I don't really get a chance to share on my social media channels, but also a good roundup of a lot of the content that I'm creating on other channels besides this podcast. Thakka <laughs>